Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. You know, we've just made it so complicated. All we want is to let Him love us. Because when we are rooted, just like we read last week, in fact, go ahead and flip over there to Ephesians 3. The only way to effectively live this kind of life that you've been trying to live your entire Christian life is out of His love, is knowing what He's done for you, how much He loves you, and yielding to that finished work and letting it produce fruit in your life. That's it. It's His goodness. It's His kindness that brings people to repentance. You know, it's not His judgment, although some people under the Old Covenant experienced His judgment and <laughs> repented. But that's not what He says for us to do. It's not, it's not pointing out people's sins. He says He will no longer hold people's sins against them. Why are we doing it? You know, that, that's, the religion just does not get it that if you still love people, even in the middle of their sin, that you're not condoning their sin. You're giving them the only lifeline that is going to work. Love. Acceptance. Mercy. It's His mercy. It's His goodness, His kindness that draws people to repentance. And how else are they going to experience it if not through us? I mean, think about it. Most people don't come to the Lord by some vision of Him appearing, and then they just get it and get born again. It's us. It's us. You know, that's why I so value this community, because we get the opportunity to week after week come in here and set, our, set this time apart to just be refreshed, to be encouraged, to be established and rooted deep in His love, to walk out of here hearing it again and again and again, what He's done for you and who you are in Him, and that you're loved. That's just what we're always going to be about. So if you ever get tired of that, then just start telling other people about it. Then you'll hear new things in here. That's just kind of like the way it is. You get full. It's like, yeah, I've heard that. Okay, we'll go give it out. Then come back. And, oh, and then you start seeing things differently. You know, we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. We just are. Not to grow the church, not to so that you can say, hey, I did this miracle, none of that stuff. But because there's a world out there dying and passing into eternity without God, and they need to hear about what Jesus did for them. <clears throat> In Ephesians 3, this is what we kind of went over last week. Verse 16 I pray out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you. I was going back over this, um, these couple of verses in this chapter again this week because I just felt like God wanted us to kind of camp around the same idea. And I just got stuck on that. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you. Think about that. I mean, out of His glorious 
riches. He wants to strengthen you. Paul wouldn't have prayed that if God hadn't inspired him to do so. That's what God wants to do for you is out of his glorious riches, strengthen you. I looked up the word riches and it means possessions. I've got it here in my notes. It means abundance of external possessions, fullness, abundance, and plenitude. So out of God's fullness, out of God's glorious abundance, out of God's glorious plenitude, He'll strengthen you. Out of His abundance, out of God's abundance. I mean, where is the end of His abundance? That He wants to strengthen you. Man, what a God. Everything He has is available to you in Christ. He doesn't have anything else to give but Christ, and He's given Him to you. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. I mean, I'm telling you, one of the things... Today, I'm just talking about being rooted in God's love. And this whole year, we're talking about just becoming disciples, being disciples. You know, every, every series I'm going to do is going to be based specifically off one of Jesus' 36 main teachings. And he always talked about abiding in him, allowing his spirit and his words to abide in you so that it would produce fruit. So that we would become rooted and grounded in Him. That when anything happens, our first thoughts are, I'm in Him. That's my reality. Now let me deal with life. Now let me deal with the situation. Now let me deal with this person. You know, we face challenges all the time where we question our own identities. Who are we? What am I supposed to be doing? All that stuff. But we have to be rooted and grounded in Him, specifically in His love, and then this is what happens, and we read this last week, but so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Man, I love that he, that he brings that aspect into it, right? It's like we're just this big garden planted in Christ on this planet together to just grow to see the increase of his kingdom so that other people will look at it. And it's like, man, look how they, look at that person. What is different about that person? Look how they treat each other. I want that. I want whatever that is, I want that. You know, the, religion falls out the, the window at that point. I mean, you know, you don't have to explain to them a six-day literal creation or a four-and-a-half-billion-year expansive creation, all that stuff. I mean, I love looking at that, but so what? <clears throat> all right, I'm going to try to stay on track here. So, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is that love of Christ. I mean, that's the cross. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then we also looked at um, 
Another passage that says, how, how, how will he not freely with him, this is Romans 8 verse 32, how will he not also with him, with Christ, freely or graciously give you all things? So then you walk away with this idea that we want to experience the fullness of God. We want to experience everything he has for us. Not because we want cars and houses and all that stuff, but because we want him to be glorified in our lives. We want the world to look at us and say, God is so good because I see him in your life. I mean, even to the point where it's like, you don't deserve that, but your God must be really good. What's going on here? I know you. What are you doing? You're just the luck. I've, I've, I've had people tell me that throughout my entire life as a believer. You're the luckiest person I know. I'm like, mm-mm. You don't know. <laughs> it's not luck. You know, to the outside, it looks like luck because, you know, stuff just works out. You know, it's like, yeah, difficulties may happen, but you keep the attitude and spiritual focus toward God. And then it's like, you know what? I, nothing this world has to throw at us can separate us from his love. I mean, it doesn't matter what happens on this planet at all because of what we know we have in him. And you can't teach people that. You can't articulate that with knowledge that people say, okay, I understand now. But when you show people love, they feel it and their heart becomes open and they can receive it. And to the degree that you begin to experience the fullness of God. If you, want to, if you feel like that there's stuff that you're not experiencing, that you believe that God has promised you in this new covenant... It's the only way to experience that is being rooted in His love. And it produces you experiencing the fullness of God. So today, and really this whole year, that's what we want. We want to be persuaded of who He is. We want to be rooted and grounded deeper and deeper in Him so that we are applying His teachings and we are walking out what He is leading us to do. You know, not... Not coming in and trying to figure stuff out, but coming in and, and just yielding to him and watching the transformation. I want you by the end of this year to be able to look back at yourself and say, I don't know how this happened, but this is what happened. That's transformation. And, and it's, it's love that surpasses knowledge. See, we think that faith... Or walking in his love is like, well, I don't understand it, but I'm just going to trust him anyway. No, it's something that's better than understanding. If you could have the peace or you could have the, the fullness of this power expressed in your heart, or you could have the understanding of how it works, experiencing it is better. Having that peace is better. Having that faith toward him is better than understanding. In fact, You've probably said it yourself. It's like, you know what, I don't, I don't care how it works. I just trust God in, other, in certain areas. Some of us in certain areas get stuck. It's like, yeah, but what about... I see that he says this, but then my experience is this, and then everybody else on the planet, 95% of Christians experience this way, but I know the Word says this, so it must be something... You know, it's like, okay, you can reason your way right on out of the Word of God if you like. Or you can take it for what it says. You know, I was thinking about that this week. 
How many of us actually go to the Word of God for knowledge and understanding of what to do in life? I think very few Christians do that. I think what we do is we pray. It's like, yeah, well, I kind of think this or I feel this way or I remember this scripture or you know, I'm going to go listen to somebody else teach me and go, go somewhere external to try and figure it out. But do we actually go to the Word of God and read the teachings of Jesus and figure out what it is that He's saying for this area and then do that? You know, not from a works or legalistic perspective, but it's like we've got, you know, it would be like trying to figure out how to take apart a computer and put it back together without the instructions. This is, these are instructions for life. I mean, the words of Jesus can, are applicable. They're real. They're life. And it's like we just go through and it's like, yeah, I read the Bible once or you know, I've never really quite read it all the way through. Sometimes I go in there, read a couple passages, I'll flip it open. You're going to hell. Oh, wait, that, that's the wrong one. <laughs> <clears throat> Woe be unto the... Oh, wait, I don't think I want to read those. You know, are we really disciples? So... <clears throat> What are you rooted in? What do you trust? What do you depend on? Where is your heart with God? And you can ask yourself certain questions, you know. Are you more dependent on your job and your ability to work a 40-hour or 50-hour or 60-hour work week for your provision? I mean, work hard. The hand of the diligent is made rich. But are you depending on that job? Or is it just something that God has placed in your hands and it's really from Him? You know, when, when, when it goes wrong, maybe you find out, my heart is rooted in my works because you ask yourself, what did I do wrong for this to happen? Or what have I not done that I'm now experiencing this problem? And it's like we look to ourselves, we look to this world, we look to our performance to try to figure out what's happening, rather than your heart being rooted in His love. It's like, you know what, I, I blew it again, but I know God loves me. I know His Word says this, so I'm going to reset, I'm going to repent, put my mind back on His Word. And repentance just means change your mind. Change my mind away from what I'm experiencing right now. Go back to His Word, go back to His truth. Not trying to discern, you know, that's the, we, do the, we do some weird stuff in Christianity. In religion, I should say. You know, it's like we're in some of our most desperate moments, confused about what to do, and we think we're going to hear God's voice in the middle of that. Well, you're in that reason because you didn't hear His voice in the first place situation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like when, when it's difficult, when it's hard, when it's confusing, don't try to discern some external thing. Don't run to somebody else to try to get a word. You get in your heart with the Lord. Break out that word and read the words of Jesus. I, man, He will speak to you. Amen. If you can't hear it out here or rising up within your heart, get in His word. It's called a more sure word of prophecy. But I just wonder, are we really disciples? Are we really, you know... 
Are you expecting to come in here and be taught everything you're supposed to think and believe? Or are you coming in here and this is just resonating with what God's been saying to you all week? I love that. It happens every week. Somebody will come up to me and say, hey, you know, I just, that's what I was reading this week. Or God told me that this week. You know, I'm like, yes, I love that. I'm preaching the right thing and you're hearing God. <laughs> How many of you, that happens to you? Relatively regular. You come in here, it's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of what I was already. Yeah, there's nothing new. We're just, we're just reminding each other of what God is saying, of who he is. He's already given us his mind. There's nothing you don't know. It's not about knowledge. It's, it's being rooted in him and, and letting that life rise up through you. And one of the ways, I just want to give you something practical. One of the ways you know what your heart is rooted in is listen to your own words. Jesus in Luke 6, 45. <clears throat> he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man, and the word evil here is not necessarily unrighteous. It actually means full of labor or full of works or distressed. But it does mean also evil in their behavior. So it's interesting. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Uh-oh. I mean, what's coming out of your mouth? Oh, I got this pain. Oh, I'm getting old. Oh, I got this pain. I need to go to the doctor. Oh, I got this pain. Wonder what's is it cancer? Where do you go first? Tracy Crane, uh, you know, had some pain this week and got to the hospital. It's like it's gone. They can't figure out where it is. I don't know if it's a miracle or not, but praise God, it's not what they thought it was. <laughs> I call it a miracle. But that woman speaks faith. You watch, man. She'll be on you too. You say something negative or against the word, and like, you got to speak faith. You got to speak life. She do that to you at home too. She did it in the emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Nobody walked in there into that hospital in her room. Yeah. Didn't hear the word God. Praise God. I love that, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Proverbs eighteen. Verse 20, <clears throat> this is, you know, this verse here that we're about to read, is a, it's a call to action. You know, and not, not, we've all been through that phase where it's like, you're the word police, right? You're the mouth police. Don't say that. Don't say it. it's a negative confession. Don't say that. And, you know, there are <laughs> moments where we can help people get a hold of their tongues, but, you know, we don't need to be twits about it. <clears throat> Proverbs 18, 20. Uh, for, the fruit, for the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. Now, this isn't talking about eating. For the fruit of a person's mouth, his stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. You ever have a conversation with somebody and you walk away and it's like, ugh. <laughs> Not because what they said, because of what you said. God, why did I say that? What was I thinking? What am I trying to, what's wrong with me? Did I really need to say, I can't believe I said that. Verse 21, 
The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, what in the world is that talking about? If you look at this up in the Young's literal translation, which is a trans, uh, which is a parallel, it's a, uh, no, it's not a paraphrase. The words, it'll come to me in a second. It's, it's, it's a direct translation without being put into proper grammar. So if you read that, what it ends up saying is you will eat the fruit of what your tongue loves to empower, whether it be life or death. You will eat the fruit of what your tongue gives life or death to. And we've, we know that, right? I mean, you're going you're gonna to get what you believe. You're going to get what you say. You pretty much get what you expect. Our lives are almost a direct reflection of what we expect to have in life. The choices that we've made, the situations that we have created. Now, stuff happens. I'm not saying everything is your fault. It's not about fault anyway. <coughs> stuff happens. But by and large, over the course of a lifetime, we are exactly where we expect to be. And it's because of this, because life and death are right here. Because we've been given dominion over this earth, and we are to walk in this earth speaking life. It's like, it's like they said to Jesus. He, he, said, he said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. I mean, you know, kind of a light topic for this sermon. And... and, and a lot of people left. They're like, well, I don't know about that. You're talking about like cannibalism. He was accused of being a cannibal because they didn't understand the spiritual aspect of what he was talking about. So a lot of people left, and he turned to his close ones, and he said, you guys going to leave too? <laughs> I mean, he was so secure in himself. He's like, what do you think? Can y'all handle this? You want to keep going or what? And they'd said, no, you've got the words of life. Your words are spirit and they are life. Well, as He is, so are we in this world. Our words are spirit, and our words are life or death. You know, notice, they could have said of Jesus, your words are life and death, and He only spoke life. Amen. Literally, the power of life and death are in your tongue. Now, that's not a fear mechanism to make you, you know, freak out about every little word that you say. But by and large, over the course of your life, what comes out of your mouth? And it's an indicator of what your heart is rooted in because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you find yourself saying things that you don't agree with or like or don't make you feel, you know, connected to the Father, do some heart work. And what I mean by heart work is just a couple of simple little things. So practically, when you go through the Word and you see where it talks about being rooted and grounded in His love, it's by believing the gospel. You believing the gospel is what causes you to be rooted in His love. The gospel was prophesied by you know, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And what they said was that there's going to come a time where there's a new covenant. God will give you a new heart. He'll put His Spirit within you. And He will no longer hold your sins against you. When that time has come, then there is a righteousness that is available by faith through the finished work of Jesus Christ, through His death, burial, and resurrection. He became your sin. 
He ascended to the Father, offered His own blood, now sanctifies and cleanses and makes you holy and seals you with His Spirit. I mean, that's the gospel. And it's believing that is what causes you to be rooted and grounded in His love. So if you catch yourself in areas where it's not the truth or it's not life-giving or it's that same old negative thing over and over and over again that causes you to condemn and judge yourself coming out of your mouth, use it as an indicator. Well, you know what? This area must not be rooted in God's love for me. So I'm going to go to the gospel and I'm going to believe the gospel and I'm going to replace what I currently believe with the truth of who He is. But it takes getting in the Word and reading and seeing what, he, what the gospel is. You know, look in Colossians chapter 1 and 2. Take this. I'll, I'll give, I, hadn't, I don't think I've given homework in a while, have I? I'll give you this homework. Just take this Ephesians 3. I'll give you a couple of verses to go meditate on this week. Uh, the uh, Ephesians chapter 3, what we've just been reading. And then also Colossians 1.23. Well, that's, that's a reference to uh, being rooted in His love through believing the gospel. But go and read Colossians 1 and then chapter 2, like 9 through 16. And just meditate on that. Just take the time, you know. It's like, it's like I did here in Ephesians 3.16. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you. And you just sit on that, you know. Allow your heart to be established in His love. How many of you take the time to do that? You'll take a passage in Scripture and you just look at it and read it and meditate on it and chew on it and, uh-oh. Now the hands are going up. That's, that's, that's where the life comes from. That's where, that's where transformation happens, is taking that word, taking that life, taking what he has given us and just and meditating on it, pondering. Not to make it true, but so that you will be persuaded in, in the truth of it. Meditation is powerful. You know, I haven't tracked out the, the actual research of this, but you know, Jim Richards says it this way. He says, there's not one promise in the Bible that's not associated with some form of meditation. In other words, believing it in your heart, meditating on it, pondering, thinking about it to the degree that you're persuaded of it. And once you are persuaded of it, then you're open to allow God to be that in your life. Down further toward the end of Romans 8, and, and go back and read it. He says, when you don't know how to pray, you can pray in the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, then all things work together for good. To the, work together for good for those who love God. It's like in context, you can't just take out that one passage that says all things work together for good for those who love God and apply it to your child passing away early or you losing your job, or your tire blowing out on the way to work. Well, all things work together for good. How, what, good is, what good is that? There's no good in losing a child. It's talking about when you don't know how to pray, you yield to the Spirit of God within you. And because we have dominion, because life and death are in, the, in our tongue, 
we give over to the Spirit and pray and speak. And it says in, in the Acts that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, that they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's not like God's just going to arrest you and take you over and possess you and make you do something that you don't really understand or get or, you know. It's an act of faith. The Spirit giving you the utterance is you yielding to that, being open to being given your mouth to Him, and you just start making sounds. But there's, the, there's a moment where it kick, that the, the gift, the grace of it kicks in. The power of it kicks in. And, you know, people, the intellectual people always think, well, am I making it up? Is it, is it real? Is this not real? Is this, am I just faking it or what? You, you're making it up. You're making things up with your lips, with your mouth. But what you're doing is you're yielding to God. And there's a moment where it goes from you just attempting and stepping out to you experiencing the empowerment to where you feel the difference. And you'll just know the difference. You can talk yourself out of it like that. Very easily you can talk yourself out of it. But it's that very subtle faith aspect of I'm trusting you, God, to teach me as I yield myself to you. You're going to have to do the speaking. You do the speaking. You don't just sit there and all of a sudden he starts making you do it. Very rarely happens that way, and that's not how it's described in the Bible. You do the speaking. But you mix faith with that, and life and death happens. And it says when you don't know how to pray, you can do that. And it is like the Spirit of God praying perfectly through you. And who doesn't want that? Is that okay? You non-tongue talkers, y'all okay with that? Oh, this is one of those kind of churches. <clears throat> Try it. If you want help, we'll help you. If you don't, you know, it's not like you are less of a Christian or something like that. You know, he's very clear to say that. You've got the Spirit of God within you. The way that you know you're in the Spirit is that he's in you. Now, yield to it. That is the baptism of the Spirit. Be filled, be influenced by the Spirit that dwells within you. Because life and death is in our tongue and we speak and this world was created by God and when it hears its creator's voice, it lines up with his truth. His glory, the way he sees things, his view and opinion becomes evident in this world. I'll read it one more time. This uh, Proverbs 18 Verse 21, you know, we hear it. Uh, the, the life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You will eat the fruit of what your tongue loves to empower, whether it be life or death. What are you speaking? And speaking is an indicator of what your heart is rooted in. And is your heart rooted in love? Because when your heart is rooted in His love, you experience the fullness of who He is.